Hold on. Restart my thought here. Your cat literally looks like mine, but also obviously acts like mine. Now, is is your cat <laughs> super young? He is, yeah. I think he's like two or three. Okay. And have you had it since it was like a kitten, basically? You know, it's actually, we uh, we share a house with a friend of ours, and it was her cat. Mm-hmm. And we started living in a garden apartment that's in the lower half of the house. Uh, and then he just started spending all of his time with us. So, and then he bullies her dog. So we've just kind of like assumed like when we move out of here in a little while, like we're just going to have to take him with us. (laughs) (laughs) So he got adopted and then he's been adopted by someone else. Very cool. Well, um, how you been, man? It's, I know we've been chatting back and forth, (laughs) uh, but we've been basically trading messages because of course we're researching for our uh you know next podcast plugging away at that but uh how you been since the last time we chatted good we were both in michigan since the last time we chatted (laughs) i was gonna say uh rolling up some symponia farms right now the mandarin skittles so you're like a you're like a brand ambassador (laughs) yeah yeah no i'm just trying to you know plug uh oh no they're they're a great shop i support uh plugging them yeah, yeah. So they, you know, just for folks that are listening, they're a disabled veteran owned and operated shop in Michigan. And the reason I, you know, am even talking about them right now is because you can't, there's not any stores like this that you can support in Illinois. Mm-mm. So I even love that they're like, uh, I mean, the when I was talking to the guy, he said they gave up on the wholesale market, like they only sell stuff from their shop. Uh, and I just kind of love how their branding, like their branding would be like if I was branding a cannabis <laughs> company, like it's like, it's nothing special. And I think part of that is just, they expect the experience and the weed to actually speak for itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, I think you said this, do you think that's the <clears throat> the kind of the future of cannabis, you know, like they're vertically integrated. They're really just some of it. To, yeah. I mean, well, because if you think about it, with everyone complaining about like the wholesale price of weed over there, at least, and they're saying like, oh, it's hard for companies to survive. Uh, If they're only selling, hey, Claude, go away. If they're only selling from their shop and they're selling ounces for like $100, roughly, you know, they're still making like $2,800 a pound. Or no, no, that would be $1,600 a pound, which is like, pretty good you know it's certainly better than like you know you hear in colorado that people are buying weed for like six hundred dollars a pound on like a wholesale market so six hundred for a pound that's fucking crazy because that's the price that people pay for like two ounces here (laughs) you know well yeah yeah and i don't know i mean that might be very recently that that's gotten that low but that was something i heard today was that Mm -hmm. some people were buying pounds out there for like six hundred something dollars yeah, no, no. I've heard the the exact same thing. And it, w- do you remember, though, I feel like in that report, they said something about like what it was when it started. Do you remember what it was when it started? I don't. I'm not pop quizzing you right now. I'm honestly. No, but I, I would assume it was like 4000 or something like that. Right. That's what I felt like. But I didn't want to say like, yeah, like because I feel like in Illinois, isn't it like 3500 or at least at one point it was like 3500 or 4000. Maybe it was even 5000. I don't know. At one point, yeah, I know, I know it's fallen, but I remember like the report 
some report I saw put out, it's like 20%, like retail prices have gone down 20% in a year, but wholesale prices have only fallen like 7%. Mm. So it's just like, you know, who's actually taking the most of the hit would be people who are opening dispensaries or own dispensaries. Yeah. And I was going to see if I could pull this up. You remember somebody posted on Illinois trees, the wholesale prices. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. It was really interesting because those are actually worse. Like you could go stock up in Michigan retail prices and have better margins than someone that's paying wholesale prices here in Illinois. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me I'll see if I can if I can find that and pull that up. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, like I say, I'm I don't know much about this this company just yet. I do plan to interview them. They said they'd be up for an interview and um it's really cool just because you know the grow grow is all in sight. You can see the product and um it's fucking a hundred dollars for an ounce. So I mean I was like, well, it didn't really feel like a huge um you know, leap to sample some. So just got a few oh, ounces no. and I mean at that price, like you know, sometimes when you go into a shop blind and you don't have any experience there, if you're paying a hundred dollars for an ounce or maybe even less now, um, you know, even if that's like a gamble that didn't turn out in your favor, <laughs> like just make it into some edibles or something like at that price. I mean, you know, you get a couple bad prepackaged ounces, you know, I yeah. think that's the best you could expect. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't find the post I was looking for right now, but I like to show things like this. You know, this is a product that is on sale in Illinois right now. Uh, I don't know that this exact strain is on sale by any means, but here we go. We're looking at a Cresco product for people that are listening right now. And in Illinois, well, I'll look up the price here in a second, but in <laughs> Michigan, it's $75 for an ounce of some flour some cresco flour ten dollars for an eighth mind you so if you're going over to michigan do yourself a favor and don't buy cresco <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm not saying buy cresco what I, the point i'm no i know make, i know what you're yeah. demonstrating yeah yeah you get it you get it i mean there's it's, a couple companies that are over there you know like uh ascend is over there um cure relief is over there well, it, it kind of proves our point, you know, that we've we've been saying, which I think forefront which, is over there, too. Yeah, I think they are, actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, But like, but, you know, I'll, I was going to pull up a sunny side menu, but it kind of like proves our point with regard to, um, you know, pricing. Like you, you see a company that is active in Illinois and I mean, by all means, is the same product and they're offering it at a lower price. Not because I don't know, maybe, you know, of course, there are other factors at play, but I would say the main contributor to the price point in Michigan is the fact that they're not going to be able to sell um, here. You know, I'm about to show the menu for a, a dispensary. I just looked up Sunnyside. This is one for Champagne, Illinois. Um, Fifty five dollars for an eighth, you know. <laughs> And I'm talking just for context, if you're so high that you already forgot, they were selling them for 15, 10 to $18 for an eighth, the same company in Michigan. Um, and then, you know, you remember I was saying it was $75 for an ounce of flour. <laughs> it costs $60 mm -hmm. for seven grams of shake. 
So it just yeah, shakes. It's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because you know prices are one of the main things you can bitch about in Illinois, like prices and taxes. But even if prices and taxes were reasonable and cheap, you know, and I think I said this before, it's like if we were still stuck with the same number of few options, like that's not a real improvement. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's some improvement for consumers, but like you still don't really have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, what you what are you smoking on this fine evening? I am smoking stuff from that shop I told you about that's right across the street from Saponia Farms. <laughs> OK, is so it we're both sh- smoking, shop? We're that... both smoking Battle Creek weed. OK, cool. It, is it the is it a shop that shall not be named or are they like oh no no, no. it's it's called Cunningham's uh okay. I I think they just opened in like August or September uh but the cool thing about it was you could actually see their grow room from their oh yeah uh, you mentioned that yeah retail space which was interesting I've never seen anyone do that before yeah I think I've only seen somebody do that once and it was like in Colorado. But it's a definitely a cool touch. I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. most people have never even seen, you know, the cannabis plant, you know, so. Well, and I just love the idea of. Um, like buying from the people who grow it, you know, that's one of the things Shailene Title talks about not wanting vertical integration, but I feel like there should be some exception if you're like single site. Mm. Or maybe, you know, you're allowed to have two or three of them, but like, uh, I just love that. I love the ability to like potentially run into the guy who's the grower at the shop and be like, Hey, you know, like I would, cause I was actually talking to that guy at Symphonia farms. I think you ran into him too. Cause we were literally there at the same day within an hour. Of each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was telling him that I loved the critical hog that they had. And he was saying that he had kind of like gotten rid of it because there was a larger company over there that had given that strain kind of a shitty name. Like they were trying to shop around this critical hog that was really terrible. Mm. Um, But he was saying that a bunch of people had been coming and telling him that they really liked it. And I mean, they're not wholesaling anymore. So if they can sell it from the shop, he'll grow it. So I think he was he was like, yeah, I'll try to get those seeds again and see what I can do. Yeah, you bring up a good point and I'd be interested to hear what. yeah, Shaleen, like what her perspective would be on that, because he said something that to me, I didn't even think about it until you just brought up Shaleen right now. He was saying that because it's such a race to the bottom in Michigan, and he even mentioned that, you know, several other stores have re- resorted to other techniques to cut, you know, you know, cut the cost. Right. So that includes, you know, sourcing black market cannabis or legacy market cannabis um how they do this i don't know but apparently they do this and it i've heard it's with i've heard it's with uh distillate is what they run into a lot it's like they'll producers will take a certain amount of flour and then they'll say they got a certain amount of distillate from it but that distillate is like inflated by stuff they're sourcing from like out of state. And I've heard, I heard this on, I don't remember if it was like JS cabbage or medical Mondays, but it was someone talking about how someone was like literally driving around the state to different dispensaries or cultivators trying to like sell out of a van, (laughs) like probably someone from somewhere out West or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you're competing with somebody like that, um, 
what else are you to do? He, this was the, 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 the argument he laid out for me. And I felt like it was convincing. He's like, when you're competing with somebody like that, you know, that's not even playing by the same rules, frankly, what else are you to do than to just cut competition out of the equation and become vertically integrated, you know, so that you just rely on yourself. Yeah. And kind of do your own thing. Yeah. And I was like, that that's kind of convincing, you know, I wonder though, how we like, do you recall exactly? Like, I know that I'm trying to like, uh, think about how I would substantiate what Shaleen's concerns were with regard to vertical. Well, I think because if you have, or explain rather, do you, well, cause I think the were? worry is if you like the same case you could make for why being vertically integrated is great for a small business, you could say that give that gives large operators an unfair advantage. Right. I thought, yeah. Gotcha. You know, so I could see like, you know, cause what is it like Budweiser? Cause that exists in the beer industry or in liquor too. It's like Budweiser and Schlitz, like they used to have those like tide houses where it was like a bar that was like owned by, like you'll see them like with little old signs that say like Schlitz and and it was like a tavern that was owned by the beer company. Mm. So at some point they didn't allow that. And then you had to have distributors and that's kind of how, I don't know this fully, but like, it seems like if you're like a Budweiser or a bigger company, you're not allowed to sell directly to the public. You have to go through a distributor, but like, I think I use them as an example before there's like two breweries down the street from us that don't distribute their beer anywhere, but on site and they're allowed to be vertically integrated. Right. Right. That's what I think of when I think of these little operations is something like that you see all over the state of Illinois. It sounds like you just described like a craft brewery, you know, where mm -hmm. you're basically sitting in and drinking where they are currently brewing beer. I have you, is that the place like, I don't know about well, right. yeah. place I've mm -hmm. been. There's like literally big ass fucking machinery. Like it's not obtrusive by any means, you know, but it's like part of the aesthetic, you know, is the fact that you're literally sitting in their brewery drinking their well, beer, you know? And it's interesting because places like that didn't really exist. Like, like when I first started drinking, I can't, I mean, there might've been, a, there was like a place like Goose Island in Chicago would have been like what that is. It was like a more independent brewery, but there weren't like dozens of them all over the place, like all making their own beer on site and selling it to people. It's like people's tastes had to kind of, there had to be like that craft beer explosion where like people all of a sudden were super interested in it and were looking for something different and something more quality. I don't remember yeah. where I was going with that, but <laughs> well, you know, maybe just to spin it and to kind of validate what you were saying, you you brought up thoughts that I forgot were in my head, which is that I remember when Vegas, I think that's the state I'm thinking of, when Vegas first legalized it, like the alcohol industry basically lobbied super hard so that they oh, had yeah. to be the distributors, just like you're talking about, where it's like, nah, you can't deliver it straight to the dispensary. So it was actually really silly. And when one circumstance, I remember it was like a vice special and they were showing that literally it was a grow attached to a dispensary, just like Symponia. Mm -hmm. But what the alcohol distributor ha had to come and do, he literally came in, he's got a clipboard. He takes their pallet jack that they already loaded up pulls it down the hallway 
Like he looks at the clipboard first, right? Pulls the pallet jack down the hallway and then checks everything off, you know, makes the signatures. And then he's like, all right, you're good. He basically just has to move it down the hallway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. That's funny. So to, to, I mean, technically, I mean, that's kind of what I feel like that the transporter license in Illinois is almost kind of like that, you know, it's like, really, there's no reason cultivators shouldn't just be able to transport their own stuff. Like that yeah. transport license just seems like kind of like inventing another middleman, mm-hmm. which, you know, in turn will just inflate the cost of things for yeah. consumers. And we'll be talking about this in a much deeper dive in our history episode part two. By the way, if folks are listening right now and haven't heard part one, I believe it's episode 232. And we produced uh, we published this document that has like citations for everything that we talked about in that episode. You can listen to it for free. You can download it for free wherever you listen to podcast episode number 232. It's a good one. We start at the beginning of, you know. Illinois cannabis in 1978, believe it or not. And we work our ways all the way up to the, you know, day to day one of adult use sales. So if you want to check out that episode, it's super good. And more, most importantly, we lay out how you can trace political contributions from um, these cannabis companies to your elected officials. And, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. You know, you, you sit there and you wonder why there's not action. And it's like when you look at things like that, you're left to wonder like uh, or you start to wonder like, oh, maybe it's not a coincidence that these people aren't taking action if they're being paid by people that benefit from them not taking action. Right. It, you have to wonder. Um, so check out episode number 232. But what I wanted to ask you about with regard to transportation license, I wanted to sneak that plug in there. Um What do you think about what J.B. Pritzker said the other day with regard to being open to delivery? I know, of course, that requires a bill to be drafted, which isn't going to happen until next. Yeah, I mean, I think he was answering a question and then like. The press just interpreted that as him endorsing it. Yeah, I did like Like, that some outlets, you know, made sure to say that he said he was open to it, but didn't necessarily like endorse it because that's absolutely true. He was just like, yeah, I mean. I've heard about it in other states, and if you can make sure that it's a transaction just like this, in other words, the individual, the 21-year-old 21 year individual who orders the cannabis receives that cannabis with no issues, I don't see why we couldn't do that. That's what he said, which is like the most neutral thing, you know. My thing is, here's my question. I was thinking about this as I'm doing research for part two. They did those emergency rules in COVID where they could do curbside pickup. Like what what's the limit to emergency rules? <laughs> like what what Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting. And if I mean if they tried it, if anyone would even sue them to try to stop it, I don't know. Like it depends who they were letting do it, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't expect that anytime soon though. <laughs> but again, you know, it just seems like when they need something to happen they can make it happen you know so like god damn it i just forgot what i even just said but oh yeah the curbside thing like that was unthinkable before no you can't take a product that has you know that you you can't have that arrangement but somehow they come up with a way a protocol and they make do they still do they still do curbside that's a good question 
there were some this year still doing it, but I don't know that any places still do it. And I do know that it was a temper or at least from my research, the first one, the first little notice that went out that I saw did say it was temporary, but they obviously, yeah, I was going to say, I, I just figured times. companies wouldn't want their employees like outside. Cause like, yeah, I don't know in, in the state, like weed still have, I mean, not that, even in states where it's more plentiful, they don't rob dispensaries. Uh, but like here, it's still like so scarce and has such a hot, higher value than other states. I feel like there is still incentive to just rob people for the product. <laughs> True. I was about to say that it's pretty foolproof, but but you actually make a good point because what I was thinking about is like, I mean, you give them the cash first and then they bring out the product. But you're right that somebody bringing out the product is still like liability. It's just like liability. Still, yeah. Exactly. Liability. Yeah. Not that like they'd be seriously worried about it, but just like, yeah, it could happen. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm like, you know, that what is it? There's one dispensary. We don't even have to name it. I think I know which one it is. I think it's the one that we did the special report on. Has a drive through, the one that just treats dead bodies, apparently, allegedly, like, um, oh, <laughs> you know, puddles. Um, they have a drive through? Uh, maybe it's not them. One of them does, though. I went through a drive through in Michigan for the first time, like a couple months ago, and it was like it was an old like bank one. Mm -hmm. It was just really weird. <laughs> did they did they have the thing where you like uh, you put your money in and it sucks up and then they put the weed down and it comes through? The I tube? think there I think there was like in the other lane, but I was the closest lane, like right next to the window. So it was just like a little thing that like slid out and then like back in. I mean, right. it's great for, I mean, it's like building dispensaries and former banks is like a great security uh, feature, I would guess. Absolutely. Yeah. You got the vault already built in and stuff, all the mm -hmm. camera, or at least the infrastructure for the cameras there. Because that is, yeah, that is, I saw one by Detroit too once that also was like an old bank that had a drive through, but I was too scared to use the drive through because I'd never done it before. Yeah. Point is, folks, take a trip to Michigan. It's it's interesting when you go to a state that actually embraces legalization. That's you know pretty close. Like when you get there, there's fucking advertise. There's billboards everywhere. There are so many different dispensaries. Definitely do your research before you go. You know, look out for for small cannabis farms like the ones we've mentioned so far. There are definitely lists to avoid. And Phil, would you agree that the best if you're like trying to really quickly look for a list to avoid is Google like MCMA companies that are on the MCMA or what, what do you yeah, think? I would just Google like MCMA boycott list and then add every company in Illinois on there. There you go. Yep. <laughs> yep. So all the Yeah, that's concerning. there's so many options at this point. It is just not hard to find people that aren't lobbying to fuck people over left and right, you know? At least over there. Yeah. And let's 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 uh, be very clear for folks that haven't checked out episode 232. You should. What we mean by that is that uh, why don't you take it? What when you said that people that lobbied against <laughs> us and fucked us. Here you go. I'll throw you. We'll just what they just, do. you know, anyone who was part of the Medical Cannabis Alliance of Illinois, now the Cannabis Business Association, did lobby and continues to lobby for limited licensing for a restricted market and for you know they they certainly lobbied against home grow to start and they certainly don't support it now they don't actively support it yeah yeah so they'll and, always say like oh we don't advocate against that anymore and it's like 
yeah, but you're you're selling weed and you're not doing anything to advocate to further decriminalize it. Right. And that's and an like issue. we would hear about it if you were. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it'd be so heartening to hear that. Exactly. I was trying to find the article. I know it's that that we're not diving into this yet, but I just added an article earlier just to back up. You know, I don't want to like th- that's the cool thing about episode 232. There's another plug for it. Um, you know, we we have citations for just about everything we say. But one of the things we just said, I do have a citation for. And if I can't find it right now, we'll return to it in the episode. I can promise you that. Um, but there's an article that specifically talks about the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois lobbying against um, legislation for that that many social equity applicants uh, were pushing for. And I believe that is what spawned the meme that you made, which is the bus, you know, coming. I'm trying to find the um, article, but it's crazy, you know, when you look back through history, um, some of it seems so long ago and some of it seems like, oh, yeah, it seems like yesterday, you know? Well, it has been. A, I mean, you think about it, it's been like. Well, it's been three years, but like, you know, in summer, it'll have been four years since the law was actually signed because they had those whole six months where it was like not legal. We're waiting for it to be legal. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, that's a long time. That's a lot of like legislative sessions to not really make things much better. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, they say- haven't, they haven't further. I mean, the courts struck down odor as probable cause and cars. Yep. But other than that, I don't think there's anything the legislature's done to like further decriminalize weed. Right. And I think there's actually two rulings, which we will definitely be talking about. But there was the ruling for just the odor of raw cannabis. But then I think there was a separate ruling for the odor of burnt cannabis, which is like, hey, hell yeah, both bases are covered. But you have to wonder, too, if cops actually. Yeah. Or the legal system actually observes that at this point, you know. Well, and that's the point I always try to make when we talk about this, like, folks, just because we said that. You know, don't just think you can do that, like, and bank on that. Yeah, like, do not drive around just smoking weed in your car <laughs> and right. not in this state. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Because here's the thing about that, about both cases we just referenced, like, they could be um, appealed by the state. You know, this was a local ruling. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that because those are recent. Mm hmm. Yeah, and they very well could be appealed. I mean, you know, the court court system moves slow as fuck, as we know about with regard to the, or as I've been learning about with regard to our licensing. As I say, learn, I mean, reminding myself, because, you know, while it was all going on, it was admittedly hard to keep track of. And now I look back at it and I'm like, okay, you know. It's interesting how similar it was to the original light, the original licenses that were issuance or issued rather. And by that, I mean, just how many people have connections, you know what I mean? Like in other words, anybody that knows a lot about Illinois are not like surprised when they see like Phil Stefani's name as a winner. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, people like that or, or, you know, some of these 
they just have ties to the existing operators as well. That's another theme that I've noticed. Seems like all the winners are like part of the incubator programs, you know? Yeah. Or like we're established already. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, if you're going to start a business, you'll have experience running businesses. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting. Cause like the way this whole thing was pitched is like, Helping cops, the victims of the war on were drugs. And, big winner. Oh, yeah. Cop, law yeah. enforcement. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were saying. <laughs> Just the reality of the market and mm -hmm. what social equity looks like isn't really like what it was pitched as. Yeah. And I don't want to like kill kill our point, but I'm going to say it right now, you know, because J.B. Pritzker brought it up the other day. I feel like I don't know who he was talking to when he said, you know, there are a lot of people that write about. Um, maybe we should just open up the market because I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. I want to give him a plug again. Great, great journalists out there like Rob McCoppin, uh, Bob McCoppin or Robert McCoppin, uh, Tom Shuba, Mike Fouché, Brad Spears and Ali Marathi. Um, I might be missing a few names. Um, you know, there are definitely good reporters out there. Where the fuck was I going with that? What were we just talking about? I wanted to make Pritzker, sure. I... Pritzker talking about opening the market. Yeah, so he was saying people write about opening the market. I'm not familiar with any like journalists that are like writing about opening the market. Are you? I mean, there's Don Don Mick something from MJ Biz who wrote something like two maybe a year ago, two years ago, but I don't know anybody who's like on the steeple bitching about opening up the market as a journalist. Do you? Uh, I mean, you can pick up in some, sometimes when like people write about it, you can kind of pick mm -hmm. up the tone. Like, isn't this it's... all a little ridiculous? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I okay. can't point out or like think of an exact example, but I do also think that there's like a general consensus now that you shouldn't cap markets. Like, I think yeah. that's a general consensus but that I hear from like people who just talk about how to set these things up. And even like that CEO of Pharmacan who was at that Benzinga thing in Chicago a couple months ago, he was like, yeah, I mean, we operate under the assumption that these won't be here someday. Like they're mm -hmm. like a, they're just like a thing of the moment. Yeah. See, but my thing is, I wonder if they are because JB Pritzker and this, I've heard people use this, like I agree with you that it feels inevitable. Like their their battle to keep those things feel futile because ultimately they're artificial creations, you know, that shouldn't exist in the first place. But it is the law. It would have to change. It would right? have to change, yeah. absolutely. And to you know, I want to say this JB Pritzker quote. He's like talking about people that uh, talk about opening up the market, and he says, you know, here's the thing about the way we did it. Since we are issuing, you know, a limited number, that means that operators won't get edged out of the market. They they will be able to make money, which will make equity happen, I think is what he said. I'm loosely paraphrasing. We will pay the we will play the clip when we um you know do the the part two. Um but here's well, that my was thing. that was that was like the rationale when they sold license caps as socially equitable. Okay, which is a that's... crazy, which is a crazy concept. But that was what they like. That was how they argued it back then was like, well, we prevent the wholesale prices from collapsing, which allows these people to sell weed 
at a greater value for longer to get them money to get their businesses up and running, which is a crazy idea because it's like, okay, so you're pitching social equity as being anti-consumer. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, that's the question I was going to ask is that like, is that the definition of social equity to, to, so is the definition of social equity to be able to make a lot of money off of weed or is the definition of social equity to allow anybody and everybody, in including those disproportionately imp impacted from drugs, like to participate in the market, you know, and like maybe social equity also means, as he pointed out, expungements, right, stuff like that. Maybe it also means that I think you well, proposed this. It's idea funny too because it's funny too because he said he talks about the expungements they made as being one of the great things about the social equity in the bill or the law, and it's like yeah, but you didn't like expunge or get rid of that many things, and people still go to jail for like some pretty petty offenses. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, and I mean I'm so trying... like if you're really embracing that idea that. Uh, getting rid of these charges for these low level offenders is so great. Like, shouldn't you be always moving that bar a little more? Right. Especially because it's like legal to have pounds and pounds of weed and sell it to people. Now it's just like a thing you need a license to do. Mm -hmm. well, and that's another story that I don't mean to spoil, but hold on. I, we'll keep remind me of that having pounds on you. Um, uh, but I wanted to, so we were talking about, is that the way for equity? Um, yeah, I, oh yeah, I was bringing up those other options because I agree that those are other forms of equity, like righting the wrongs, if that's what our definition of equity is, righting the wrongs. And it's like, okay, yes, expungements are a part of that. Maybe I think you pitched this idea in the past or wrote about it. It's like the idea that non-social equity applicants, in other words, if you don't meet the state's definition of social equity, would pay into a fund that would be used to capitalize social equity applicants. Because again, traditionally, that's the thing about – it's like this oh, sure. catch-22 with, with social equity. So apparently social equity is so that you can make so much fucking money, right? Right? You just said it. You limit it so that you can build intergenerational mm -hmm. wealth. But it's like in order to get that license, you have to have already had intergenerational wealth. You can't just be like anybody. You follow me? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It, it that's That's like the conundrum for me. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I it gets it, I get so twisted up in the thought that it's like you would just think that the definition of equity would mean, you know, everybody Well, it just can't. Like you don't need to get twisted. It just can't mean excluding people from starting businesses. It's like right, the right. guy uh it's like that guy I referred you to that oh, Dimitri. Yeah, Dimitri. Uh mm -hmm. from Mita. Right? Is that it? MITA. Yep. Yeah. So when he talked about like this idea that every worker deserves the dream or aspiration of starting their own business, like, yes, that's, that's part of social equity, you know, like societal right. equity and opportunity. And, you know, cause even if you're say, uh, 
you know, it's not a terrible provision to say uh, you should hire people from these disproportionately impacted areas, mm-hmm. you know, like make that just part of the law. Maybe that shouldn't have maybe that shouldn't have allowed you to qualify for the license. But maybe when you had the license, you should have had to do that anyway. You know, but uh, right. the idea that those people going to work in the industry would then not be able to dream about starting their own bu- without having millions of dollars to like buy a license. It's like. Well, yeah. what are you really offering them then? But a, I mean, there might be room for advancement, but they can never really own their own thing or aspire to like be their own boss, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, to, uh, to, to your point, to his point, you know, to both of your, you know, since he brought up his point, um, I think it's funny that one of the things that the companies like will pat themselves on the back about is like, oh, we've got this like uh, they I don't even know what they call, you know, so they got the people under their wing that they're in the incubator program. But then they've got these like training centers. And I'm like, and it's funny because I've heard a little bit of details and it's like, oh, we've got a dispensary mocked up. It's like, what? So you're going to teach me how to be a fucking retail like worker? Like, is that that's the option? Like at the uh, like at the Children's Museum where they have like a mock grocery store. Yeah, like that's what it sounds like. Maybe it's more maybe it's more than that. Maybe I'm like being It has to be more than that. Yeah, maybe I'm being like they're just like this is the counter. <laughs> this <laughs> right. is a register. You got to check people in, check that ID before, you know, like Unless it's for teaching children, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, again, I'm I pro- I'm probably being I can't even think of the word, but just you know, I, I'm probably wrong. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But hey, it took me a while. I found the story that we were referencing. Um, you know, it's uh, do <laughs> the work going into the next episode is crazy. There's been a lot of research into it. We're up to like fucking 84 pages on that document. I'm gonna have to. Well, it'll be house. another uh, Marvel movie length, Chillinoy. <laughs> podcast (laughs) yeah exactly but here's here's the article we were talking about or the proof to the pudding um that we yeah yeah so leading illinois cannabis trade group for folks that are listening uh the headline is leading illinois cannabis trade group pushing to block bill to aid social equity licensees so um the conflict (laughs) yeah go ahead yeah, it's it'll be interesting, you know, because like, you know, we've talked about how um, Ambrose from like 1937 group has joined their board, you know, but mm-hmm. I've still seen him speak his mind about, you know, the stuff yeah. that's wrong in the industry and really like saying the right things as far as I would consider them. Um, so it'll be interesting because it would seem like he hasn't signed any kind of like thing that restricts him from speaking his mind yeah yeah i i hope that he um maybe as people uh i don't know like maybe enough people can join that organization to make it not be fucked <laughs> right yeah that's what i was about to say I is hope it that, that he because he uh, you know in my conversations with him he seems to understand it and maybe he's approaching this strategically and that's my hope at least you know, God willing, let's hope that time proves us right, you know, because that would suck if if he went to the dark well, side. And, well, <laughs> yeah, but you do need to survive. Like if well, you got that's one a of point these licenses you made, and yeah. you're trying to make it go, you know, you do need to survive. And, yep. you know, I wouldn't like, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I think we'll talk about a couple of the new dispensaries and who owns them and maybe some of the stuff that they've done. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough yeah. to judge people in the market, but there's some people who have gotten in that clearly are just like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess what you're trying to say is I'm not trying to, you know, if Ambrose is listening right now, I'm trying not trying to uh, litmus test anybody or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I'm just we watch all these things and we enjoy paying attention to these things. And frankly, we just, as we just pulled up, that article shows that I can has a history of, you know, not only lobbying against in this specific case, they were lobbying against craft cultivators, but they have a history from the news articles that I've found. Um, one specifically mentions that, it was opposition from the police and licensed cultivators regarding home grow. So, you know, um, I'm um, just saying that's a problem I will say, for me. Among among yeah. new operators, I will feel free to talk shit about companies that have like former regulators working in them and former law <laughs> enforcement working in them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or owning them. <laughs> yeah. Because that shit's just wild. Exactly. So again, I just want to reiterate, not trying to, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be the judge of anybody or, or litmus test anybody, but I am watching and, you know, I, I find all this stuff interesting. And so I just hope that things would go in the way that I would prefer them to, right? Just like anybody else. Everybody wants to have their way, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And I just, yeah, I think in Illinois cannabis, I would just love to see more of this stuff talked about. Yeah. You know, and I truly believe that some of the things that we are talking about, the points that we make, you know, if anybody's going to say we have any agenda in this, it's not that you and I are directly going to benefit uh, from it other than having access to more cannabis. It's not like I will fight, like, I have no plans to open a dispensary or get, you know, Chillinois yeah. weed or anything like that. Like, I have no plans. I continue to just stick Good. with this microphone and talk to fucking prostitutes and Satanists and stuff like that. You know, well, and that's what we've talked about <laughs> is uh, like a lot of people involved with Illinois cannabis have some involvement with the industry of Illinois cannabis. You know, mm -hmm. like if they're talking about it, they're probably like invested in it or wanting to get into it or working right. in it or something like that, you know. So we are outsiders. <laughs> We're just nerds that like to pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, and we wonder why are things the way they are? That's how this whole, like, if you want to call it a series on the history of cannabis started, we wondered why are things the way they are? We got on the internet and we didn't say, we never said anything that we said was like, this is the truth. We just said, Hey, we read this on the internet and what else are we supposed to think? You know, without being told directly when you're when you're forced to fill in the gaps, what what the fuck else am I supposed to do? You know, well, right. Yeah. The like state there is... could easily take control of this narrative if they would just come out and own it and oh, yeah. be like, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, no, yeah, we're all left to to to. Guess. Well, and I don't think Illinois deserves the benefit of the doubt. You know, I don't. That's what one thing I think is funny is like you'll hear just cannabis users say like. Oh, well, they're trying their best or they tried their best or blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? Like, you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that this wasn't the result of corruption. This wasn't, 
<laughs> like they didn't just do a really shitty job. Well, here's they one don't thing. Care or here's one thing that I could see being it's a small critique on our episode, but on our original episode, I could see a small critique being made by Pamela Altoff because I listened to an interview with her, and she said, "You know, everybody says that uh, this was a result." You know, just just six months in the state legislature, which is true. I mean, when it comes down to it, Um, but but also it is important. And if you look at our final document that we're going to publish, we have there was talk about adult use legalization before 2019. But our point was when you have control like they had control at the time, if we're if we're recalling correctly, you know, they had the House, the Senate and the governor. You know, uh, when when you have that control, maybe you just take a little bit more time before you like run past your finish line, what you deem as your finish line. Maybe you take more public comment. Maybe you will, you know, allow elected officials to comment on things. That's another reference to the first episode. Well, I (laughs) think we talked about that before. Like it was very rushed. Again, uh, yes, absolutely. But I was just bringing up the point that I think if anybody was going to make a critique of our episode, pa- I've heard Pamela Altoff say, "Oh, she's be like, like, well, we oh. had to get it done in six months." Right? She'll say something it's like, "Well, like maybe, well, maybe that was the wrong goal." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we didn't need to have commercial sales just yet. Maybe we could have just focused on decriminalizing it. Oh yeah, you for know? sure. Like we were so I mean, I would, in I mean, on I having would, stores open. Yeah, I, mean, I would rather have like an Oklahoma style medical market, like they right. still are. You know, I mean that would even be more accessible to a larger portion of the population. Yeah, and you know what's sad is that I was reading in our in our research that we'll dive deeper in on. But do you recall this? It's like there was an event back in the day where they kind of did in Illinois, kind of a farmer farmers market style cannabis and there was no problems with it. Like people reported on it, but it just never happened again. Do you recall? Where that? was that? I do not recall that. I'm trying to find it right now. And of course, since, you know, I'm trying to find it, it's going to take me 30 minutes like the last one. Cause I don't have this all, you know, laid out in a nice little script. Like I had last time, but, um, I like it was I'll, like a, Oh, uh, here it is. Windy cities, like a- windy city smoke up offered safe space to get stoned, sell unregulated weed. This is one step closer to what I wish we could do everywhere. I'll put this on the what's, screen here. What's the date on that? Uh, 2021, uh, December 5th, 2021. I'm going to share my screen right now. Um, so here it is. Tom Shuba, shout out. Oh, I do um, vaguely recall this. Oh, it's Dom Brown. Yeah, I remember this now. I remember everybody was like, oh, Don Brown is, I don't, I don't, is he like a musician or something or? I think just a media personality. If I had to just guess, somebody in, okay. maybe he was in a band or something, gotcha. but, um, oh, it's Afro man. That, that's, I was like, I feel like there was music there. Afro man was there. Yeah. It's interesting. There were sales going on though. Yeah. Let's see. Allowed open weed consumption was billed as a cannabis expo with live art and music. Afro Man was there. Various black market pop products similar to those found at the state's highly regulated dispensary were being sold. Yeah, be cool if. Well, I mean, this stuff 
this stuff happens like all over, especially in a city like Chicago. Um, yeah, I was just I telling can't you. Imagine, I can't imagine they're rating enough of them to have a chilling effect on that kind of thing. But I know like I've read about like we talked about before that one shop that was having like vendors in there was mm-hmm. raided and the people were arrested. So obviously there's still enforcement going on even in Chicago. Right. I wonder who you got to wonder who calls that in, you know, because it's got to be somebody that knows enough about cannabis. That's like, that's not a license. Like, is it? I would assume if it's being found out and like cracked down on that, it's been reported to them. Like, that's my thing. Who's the type of person to report that? Because I sure wouldn't like, is it just like that you find it accidentally and you're like, hey. Why is a dispensary well, in our town? You know, like because you know, well, think about that. There are some places that you you have to vote for shit like that, and some people well, or really any number. I mean, you could think any number of people who are affiliated with the regulated market might take that as an insult. True, um, that's kind of what I stumble was upon thinking. it or hear about yeah. it. You know, there's like tens of thousands of people that are affiliated with work in the industry. So, yeah. I mean, when I asked that question, I was kind of thinking, yeah, like somebody that because <laughs> like who else really would care? Well, I mean, did you, you know? see on Reddit? I think yesterday or the day before someone posted something about buying a cart from Michigan at like a head shop here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like there's no identifying information there, but it's like people. I could just see people being so excited to get a deal on anything that that word just gets out like so widely you know, like, and the penalties are just so harsh for that kind of thing. I, you have to wonder if the person who's doing that knows what they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, uh, like we're not yeah. California. Like if like people who run the illegal dispensaries out there, like I've always heard, like there's never like a jail penalty for them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely happens around here. You know? Well, that's part of, I mean, because you would think if the penalties were like way, way, way less, they had established this market as they have, mm-hmm. it would be like New York is, you know? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you just made me, you remember I told you I had something to say about having pounds. You just made me think of it because that's kind of mm-hmm. how they charge you when you get fucking caught running one of these illegal shops. You get charged with as much as you have. And then that's all, this, you know, it's this graduated uh, punishment that started in 1978, as we found in episode number 232, that everybody should check out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I think I asked you in episode 232 or the one before that was you remember, I kind of float, maybe it wasn't with you, I don't know. So, I get so stoned and talk to some, you know, different people, I forget who I talked to what about, but uh, I think it was with you, and I said, How do these vendors get all the cannabis to? these different things they're doing where it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like where it's like, Oh, here's the sample of our joints, but it's like, they, but oh, they got a lot of, yeah, weed. yeah, and I'm like, but mm-hmm. how do you do that? So I actually found an article where one company explains how they do it. And of course I should have, before I said that brought the article up, but I just remembered that I had that to say. You would almost so, think uh, some of the transport license people would be complaining that they're not being employed to transport that stuff to these. This events. is why I bring that up because <laughs> because this is how they set this is how they explained it. I'm going to go off the top of my head and in the episode part two, I will make sure I will make goddamn sure that we that we cover this base. 
but I'll just give you what I can remember off the top of my head right now. They said, because they were specifically asked, how did you get around that? The same question we asked. And they said they had several of their employees purchase their amount and bring it to the location over a matter of several days. Interesting. Which is technically, I'm, look, I'm not a lawyer, but you know, I would it seems say like that, that would be the- technically legal. Okay. Yeah. And I agree with you there. I agree with you. But then when all the cannabis is in one spot, I agree with you that several transactions are illegal, but you're collecting it in one spot. Who is in possession of that one spot that it's collected in? Yeah. I don't know. You know, you just get into this weird area and I, I'm i not a fucking proponent for possession limits at all, but I'm just saying we're all oh, playing no. by the same rules. Well, that's why it's that's know? why they're so funny, right? It's like bingo, like at some point, one person is in possession of many pounds of weed, <laughs> right? Like, why right. are they so special? <laughs> mm-hmm. I get like they they might work for a licensed company, but like, I don't know, it just seems like such a silly thing. It and really like you point you've you've talked about it before like the transport requirements in Illinois. Yeah. Like I was saying that's like an oh, article that tra- I got to find. I could I could not find an, this article but I swear It was like a newscast. You- it was like a local news newscast about the transporting opioids. Yes, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. There's yeah. it's somewhere. Yeah, cuz that's it's crazy. Like I think if people like if legislators were presented with that like come on, you got to <laughs> Yeah, dude, we have to find that video for that, and I'll make it into a reel. And like, you can have a cannabis transporter license, but maybe they don't need front and back facing cameras and to be armed. <laughs> right. So yeah, for folks that don't aren't sure what we're talking about, do you mind explaining how they compared the cannabis delivery, how it works with opioids, and how it's just so fucking crazy and different? Well, it was just like the opioids were allowed to be driven around in a car. That's what I loved. Like they just to... threw it in the passenger seat. Yeah, like (laughs) Like a pharmaceutical rep can just drive around with like bags of these pills like in their car. Yeah. You know, tons and tons of these samples. Yeah. (laughs) But meanwhile, meanwhile, here's the distinction for folks that are like, why is that crazy? Meanwhile, cannabis has to be in the back, but not only in the back, in a separate locked like enclosure. So, you know, you've got the back of your van, right? And it's an enclosure. But then you have to have a box within the van that has a lock on it. Am I wrong in my memory on that? I'm pretty sure no, I think, that's the way it is. I think that is right. And they're also like recorded where they go and tracked and they're not allowed to deviate from their route. I feel like, like a lot they're of crazy tracked, things like that. Yeah, they're tracked like probably the closest thing to somebody who's transport trans transporting a weapon of some sort. Like a a, a weapon that could hurt society, you know? Yeah. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, you feel bad for them because a lot of people applied for those licenses and invested in those requirements and were stuck with zero business. Yeah. So it would be nice if they could at least get delivery, although that would just continue to benefit existing operators. Yeah. It is funny, though, that the one license, and I think you made this point last time, the one license that basically has no utility is the one that's unlimited. <laughs> like they were like, yeah, I mean, sure, you can have as many well, of those shit ass <laughs> fucking licenses as you want. Mm-hmm. Well, and now yeah. I think, isn't there a moratorium <laughs> even on those? Oh, there is? Okay. I think they did. I think they Oh, yeah. You know what? They closed like they closed accepting for like, them. Right? For like three or five years or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. But really, yeah, what they, they should do with them <laughs> is allow those people. 
Because I thought those transporters had to have like some kind of like a warehouse space. I thought they had to have somewhere they were like operating out of. They should just let them sense, like, like a distribution center kind of. Well, yeah. they should let them because I know this is something they've done in other states to like reduce the overhead. Is like let those transporters just run their own dispensaries out of their delivery business. Yeah. Like, don't make them just a delivery for existing dispensaries like allow them to buy their own supply from the people the cultivators and then just allow them to run their business just as a solely delivery business yeah and like maybe even let the infusers buy product but then of course there's that whole thing isn't it am i right in thinking that the infusers have to buy oil they can't buy the product and like blow it themselves like extract it themselves yes yeah they have to buy yeah, so that's so they're like just another buying... basically worthless license, in my opinion. It's kind of a crazy situation, yeah. I think that's I why you see like... But... Well, I think that's... It's obviously not worthless. Uh, it's it's but... worth something if you have the cultivation license as well. How about that? Or you're really tight with but somebody I think, that has a cultivation a, license. Wouldn't a cultivator be able to infuse? Actually, I think you're right because I think I talked to somebody that's why that it's, said... That's why it's kind of funny. I think actually, you know what, uh, nineteen the nineteen thirty seven group did an interview with I think block uh, some on the block Chicago or something like that. I feel bad for not being able to give the actual podcast name, but there's no way I'm going to be able to pull it up right now. Anyways, they did an interview um, with a guy that I didn't get the chance to talk to. I wish I could because he seemed super cool and just like smart and funny. But he was talking about how yeah, when they were looking at which licenses to apply for. They saw that the infuser, you know, couldn't extract, but that the craft could extract and infuse. And they're like, well, why the fuck would you get an infuser license? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what yeah. he said. You know, they kind of maybe, looked at it that way. Maybe it was just easier to get one. But I think that's why you're going to see a lot of those infusers like, like that company Wild coming to Illinois. You know, they're like a more premium... Like if you see, like if I see them in a dispensary in Michigan, they're like a more premium edible. They like cost a little more than like all the other cheaper options. So I feel like that's kind of like the play, you know, it's like you'll license with kind of a known brand from out of state, be able to charge a little more. The annoying thing though, is that you're really just trading on that brand because you're selling the same distillate that everyone else has in their, you know, or at least Cresco or GTI or whoever you're buying that from is putting in theirs. Yeah. Well, another thing I want to figure out that we, I think we it's totally kind of a separate topic, but we, we, this is just kind of what we're doing today. We'll, we'll probably wrap up here soon so that we can do a quick rundown of my research, you know, and click out for the night. But, uh, we were talking about like what it takes to open a in or sorry, a consumption lounge. And to me, it's crazy. You know, you like hear about all these different events that want to have consumption in it. And I know, I think it maybe it's the complication is like Chicago and you know, the, you got to have the approvals or whatever, but it, like, it's weird that it seems like the only consumption lounge in Chicago is that one, you know, at rise or whatever. Um, well, rise then, is way out way out in the suburbs okay sorry i i refer to it as chicago collectively as a well, it's, but it's yeah. not even like you know 
I mean, I would term where I am. I live down way down on the south side in an area called Beverly. I would quantify this as the suburbs, but it's technically still Chicago, still Chicago. Yeah. Mundelein where rises is like halfway to Wisconsin. Like it's like pretty far out there. See, I'm glad you say this because I now I already know that people that are from Chicago that are listening. When I said that, they're like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> this is it's the Chicago. Chicago area, but it's like the edge of it, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, but, it is interesting that that's like the one that's up here. It's the one. And like, I just let me contrast that. And it's not like this is a crazy contrast. It's not, you know. Like when you contrast the number of dispensaries in Illinois versus the dispensaries in Denver, like that's a crazy contrast, you know, um, this isn't nearly as dramatic, not even close. So there's one in Chicago, there's two in Southern Illinois, but, but still there's two and they're not dispensaries. I'm well, it's sure. also like, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if more opened up in suburbs versus chicago if chicago is the issue for opening these things because you know there's just like there'd be more municipalities in the surrounding areas you're like dealing with different towns different communities so there you'd have more of a chance of a random one being like sure you can open up here you know versus all of chicago you know the city council or whoever has to decide on what those policies are to allow people to open them yeah I'm glad we did this conversation and recorded this conversation because, you know, we I try to repeat throughout the show that we do citation. You know, we try to do the citations, but that's not like the end of it. You should do your own research and come to your own opinions. But I feel like it's good for people to see this back and forth. Like we're both asking each other open questions about things we've oh, thought yeah. about. Oh, yeah, we definitely don't. And we know don't know everything. the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have opinions no, about some about, you know, well, the ways we complicated, think. such a complicated – it's such a complicated issue. Like, I don't think everyone could know. There's not anyone that could know everything about these issues, you know? Yeah. And surely we, I mean, most definitely no doubt about it. We have our own opinions about certain concepts, let's say that we do not falter from, and we can name them easily, you know, license caps, home grow possession limits, you know, it should be basically treated like smoking a cigarette which is like but i mean by that i mean have the fucking common courtesy not to do it next to people that don't like how it smell but i know that people don't always do that with cigarettes so but again it should just be treated like cigarettes you know you can smoke them basically anywhere you know but regulated like coffee and regulated like coffee there you go (laughs) that i think that's in a nutshell like kind of our belief system but at the end of the day we're 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 always asking open questions and we're kind of Again, the whole spirit of the history thing is like, what else are we supposed to do other than fill in the gaps? The state has not communicated very clearly at all. And when they do, it's, you know, it's like they're not like the whole equity thing we were talking about with J.B. Pritzker. It's like he's not even having the same conversation. Well, and that's yeah, like that was one of the reasons we talked about wanting to do it was just like, let's like go through the history of all this stuff just for people who do find it interesting. Cause I feel like if you're interested in Illinois cannabis and you just pay attention to it contemporaneously, like as we're going along, you could really lose sight of like why this is all so fucked up is because it all started really fucked up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the influences have been really messed up the whole time. And like, no one's really, you know, there are no consumer advocates, you know, 
Like I would love to see like a group like Illinois normal really like strike up for consumers, you mm -hmm. know, and like pick a fight for consumers. Cause Illinoisans are just get fucked by the market and yeah. by our legislators keeping things the way they are, you know, by people still going to prison by us not having you know, only being allowed to grow five plants as a medical patient and not being allowed to really grow anything as non-medical, you know, it's all just messed up. <laughs> yeah. And something I learned just again, just since we're having a fun little smoke sesh being random, something I learned this week is that normal started in Illinois. Did, did you also learn that? Oh yeah. I did learn that this week. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I didn't know that. But... It's cool, but isn't that also such a weird dichotomy right normal started in illinois and we have one of the most like corporate anti-consumer still criminalized markets right you know yeah. like should be raising hell about this stuff mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> man exactly you know i think you said it earlier like what what makes those people any different you know like why are they allowed to travel around with you know untold quantities of cannabis meanwhile if i get just one little hair over the fucking limit i'm a criminal you know um mm -hmm. it's not even a talk about like oh hey that's a compliance violation like no it's you're going to fucking jail because you have too much weed you know <laughs> so yeah it's yeah it's interesting you know i also wonder like I mean, someone would have to like actually go to trial and try this, but I wonder if you could try like jury nullification as a, <laughs> a strategy in certain communities in Illinois. Just be like, look, we know this is still illegal and that he had pounds of weed on him, but do you really want to send someone to jail for this? Because I'm pretty sure that is like a strategy. I've heard about that before. Like that's how that New Jersey weed man got off. When he was like charged with running an unlicensed dispensary. I wish we heard more stories like that, though, you know, here in Illinois, but uh, maybe we just got to start. Looking well, for, I don't know. Usually you if you're stories. charged with something, usually if you're charged with something, it's going to send you to jail for many, many years. You take a plea deal and you don't actually go to trial, yeah. you know, so someone if you're going to go to trial and you're going to try to like do that kind of a strategy, if you lose, they're going to be like, OK. You're going to jail for life <laughs> right, <laughs> so that no right. one ever tries that again. You want to fuck with me? You're going to jail for life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the legal system does make examples of people. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. So, yeah, folks, uh, that is all to say. Look out for part two of history of Illinois cannabis. I hope you get where we're coming from. If you haven't checked out episode number one for the 500th time, I'm sorry said it so much but i really think it's important like you said phil uh just a little bit ago and i think you said it in the first episode um it helps people see the trees from the forest i think we did a really good job of just kind of wisping high level and i'm sure that maybe we can rope in some other experts or the people that reported that's actually a plan i have fill in the gaps a little bit i'm sure there's some gaps oh, would, and i'm sure yeah, maybe the way i editorialized it or the way we had commentary on it maybe it wasn't that it's wrong but it's like you know also consider this you know I'm oh, sure. or you could actually talk to people who were there yes that's a plan 
for sure. I mean, Marianne Loncar, and we didn't mention that in the first episode. So for folks that watched the first episode and are maybe looking for a little bonus tidbits or something, um, we'll, you know, uh, we'll revisit it. And Marianne's talked about it on our show in the past, but, you know, one of the main sponsors, I mean, it's on page one here of, uh, of the report or, or the analysis we, we produced, um, Lou Lang, you know, was the main person that pushed for the for the medical cannabis i can't speak i'm so high at this point lu lang uh <laughs> pushed for medical cannabis originally it passed um he was you know a champion of, of this issue for quite some time and then um mariam Loncar, which you can google this folks uh if you you know if you want to learn more google Marianne Loncar, lu lang you will find results and you will quickly figure out what it's all about um, so Lu Lang ultimately ended up stepping down from whatever leadership position he was in with the Madigan. So I don't know how all that shit. I think he was like a day. big deal in the house, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. He like... was like part of Madigan's. Like I don't know. I read I read some reporting because again, I'm really trying to learn more about all of this stuff. There's a lot to Illinois politics and everything else. But at the time, as I understood it, you know, Madigan was like the powerhouse and he was part of this like group. I don't know, some like <laughs> some group. And he said he stepped Cabal. out of that. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it was like it had like an official term because, again, if you look up if you look up this coverage, you'll see this, folks. Uh, so definitely do that. Um, he says, you know, I'm just stepping down because I don't want, you know, unnecessary attention on Mike Madigan. I wonder why he was worried about unnecessary attention on Mike Madigan. Um, no, I'm just fucking around. Um, but yeah, so he know the thing that I was confused about. The reason I just said that is because I thought he like stepped down entirely. But when I actually researched it, I found that he just stepped down from like uh, whatever that commission or whatever the fuck the name is. I'm so high. Well, he didn't. He didn't fully resign from. I don't believe so. Like I believe he ended up not running again. But I don't believe like I believe he and maybe I'm wrong. So that's why I'm going to say again. Folks well, he might have out. just said he wasn't running again, resigned from some leadership position like that's could have been some kind of compromise. But I, the thing I think is interesting about that story, I think I might have said this before, was just that she accused him in that story of the sexual harassment stuff. And then also of there being some kind of bribe situation of like one hundred and seventy million dollars offered to like cap licenses or like do something with restricting the market in someone's favor. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But I just I think mean, it's funny. It's like one of those claims was valid enough to get like results, but oh, the other one, like no one believes that it's <laughs> outlandish. No. And that's actually how he responded to it. So to, for Lou Lang, if Lou's watching, uh, Lou uh, basically responded that to that and said something to the effect again, folks look it up, but I'm going to do my rendition. He was like, well, shit, if that money is if I've got that money, somebody better tell me where that money is because I fucking, you know, I need that money. Right. You know, the whole thing where it's like you've heard that before. Right. Like, well, if I misplaced a million dollars, I'd love for somebody to right. tell me where it yeah. is because, you know. Right. Anyways. Um, yeah, she would be an interesting one to talk to. Yeah. 
yeah again for folks that didn't you know that didn't know we had her on once but we definitely need to have her on again because that venue wasn't necessarily conducive to like intimate conversations like we like to have on here. well but she's also been around since like like she was lobbying lobbying for medical stuff back in the late 2000s 2010 like back when lou lang started talking about this stuff so she would I think just have a lot of insight, you know, into things that we've talked about. Yeah. I actually saw a show she went on recently and she was talking about the proposals before 2013. And that's one of the things that I was kind of, if, if you recall, like I remember I had like some analysis that indicated that, well, excuse me, um, you know, Lou Lang, the sponsor at the time, had, there was potential to pass uh you know a cannabis bill in 2009 but from what i can gather and it's hard i'm really like again from what i can gather it seems like the timing worked worked out just about right to where that's when the whole controversy with blagojevich happened and so i think it just like oh i could see that yeah I, I'm, but I could be wrong on that. I it was really hard for me to try to figure it out. But just from what I could tell, I'm like, I don't know what else happened here because they were saying. I mean, he was quoted as saying that. I feel like Blagojevich uh, was like later than that, though. So, um, what what I was going to say is that the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Pilot Program Act passed the Illinois State Senate on May 27th, 2009. That's in our original document, episode 232. Um. With an election year on the horizon, sponsor Lou Lang didn't see a lot of potential for the bill to pass. Um, and it looks like I've got a citation for that. So definitely check that out. I found a, a, a speech where he was trying to make the case. But like I say, that's in 2009 where. Oh, yeah, he was charged Quinn... in he was charged in December 2008. Oh, shit. Well, then. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I could see how that would go out the window because Governor Quinn took governorship from Blagojevich in January of 2009, actually. So I don't know what happened in between that year. Because didn't we talk about, like, didn't Quinn kind of inherit the whole program? Well, he didn't inherit the program, actually. Uh, uh, Bruce Rauner did. Bruce Rauner oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the whole weird thing. No, again, it originated under Quinn. Yeah, right. It originated under Quinn. He hesitated to make any choices up what's until really, the very last day. You remember? What's like really like, funny? What's really funny though is that if it had, if Rod Blagojevich had been the governor and it had originated under him, can you imagine how, how much more it, we would have been like Florida? <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. And by that. You mean uh, tell tell folks what you're. Oh, you'd have like you'd have like three vertically integrated companies that own everything. You'd have like, you know, 50 of one dispensary all around the state. Yeah. Quick recap for folks who haven't heard 232. Quinn had the cannabis act got passed. He ultimately like was like they were there was a licensing process happening there were some accusations made and he like all the way up until the last day the last hours before leaving the office was making changes to uh, allegedly and talking with representative bob morgan according to emails mm -hmm. trying to figure out what well, should we push this we should just push this right we should push it well maybe not i don't know about the optics of it 
And so they ultimately opted to pass it off to Bruce Rauner, who, again, alleged corruption, blah, blah, blah. Um, ultimately, the like I said, some of those things were released. And we if you want to see him, check out the, uh, the document in episode 232. You can actually see the documents themselves from the Quinn administration. Um, ultimately, this is the craziest thing for me still. Like, I want to hear your take on this. I can't remember what you said in 232, but. I think it's crazy that he moved that Rauner moved forward with the process that he was criticizing. Like, did he end up getting paid off too? You just have to wonder. Again, I mean, he's I don't know what else. To pretty, like. He's pretty phenomenally wealthy. So I'm sure it was just a like damned if you do damned if you don't. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. You know what? And I actually think there may have been some, like you say, just kind of pressure on it because if you think about, well, and if the state's going to probably get sued, like, no matter what they do, like maybe his lawyers were like, well, if you just let him go, you'll get sued less. Well, and actually, <laughs> um, I believe he said, and we've got, I think it's cited in the document now that I'm thinking about it. And I've asked you this question. I believe that during the campaign, he said, although I don't agree that, you know, cannabis was legalized, it is the will of the people and I will honor the will of the people, basically, is what he said. And so, but then, you know, it was, uh, yeah, so that's kind of his approach. And then he was like, well, maybe we should do it as a bidding process, you know, because Illinois needs money. Maybe we should make it pay for play. <laughs> and it was like, okay. I mean, it essentially was and is. It was and is, yeah. But anyways, so we don't got to, we don't got to dive da- deep into that rabbit hole again. We are, we'll we get into that. Up. We'll get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, well, for folks that tuned into this episode, I hope you hung with us and I hope you at least found some value. Um, If you've not checked out episode 232, do it and stay tuned for part two where we will. The plan is to start a little bit before adult use. You know, we'll clarify when we first actually started talking about it, Um, because I think it was sometime in actually 2017 that uh, Kelly Cassidy went on the radio and was like, yeah, dude, we could do adult use cannabis. But again, nothing ended up actually happening until 2019. So we'll get into all that. We'll start a little bit before adult use cannabis, a.k.a. recreational cannabis, a.k.a. legal weed, as we call it. Um, and if you're watching, I did the air quotes there because we don't believe it's legal until you can grow, buy, possess, use you know, ingest as much as you want, need, or please. And I said use and ingest, which mean the same thing, whatever. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll start with adult, you know, a little bit before adult use and we'll go up to modern day. I'm talking, you know, December, whatever it is when we record it, we'll go up, we'll try to make it up to literally that day. So yeah, we'll be talking so let's about Let's hope the- for a big story we can end on. Yeah, yeah, let's hope for some zinger that comes out. J.B. Pritzker's like, fuck it, let's open up the licensing. I'm just joking. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Yeah, you can grow at home, you can have farmer's markets. That's a a dream. You just close out the podcast and call it a day. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I mean, shit. All (laughs) the work is done here. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, all the problems we were bitching about have been solved. So, folks, I don't know if there's going to be another one. You could just move on to harder drugs sooner. Exactly. We can move on yeah. to the next, uh, the, well, mushrooms and then, you know, yeah, we'll just keep going. Gateway, you know, just proving, proving the people right. You know, it's a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. So I joke, I kid folks. Um, all right. We'll see you next time on the Chillinois podcast. See ya. <laughs>